Champions Mojo is part of the CG Sports Network. I'm so used to it by now. Like, I'll break my shoulder and I'll be back in the water within like a day or two, even against my doctor's wishes. Like, that's just how I am. And then like, I break my feet on flip turns so much and I break my fingers on finishes all the time. So that sort of thing doesn't bother me. I'll just swim through it. Welcome to the award-winning Champions Mojo, hosted by two world record holding athletes and health, life, and leadership coaches. Be inspired as you listen to Conversations with Champions. And now, your hosts, Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. This episode of Champions Mojo is brought to you by RISE. Maria, did you know that athletes with mentors are more likely to attend college, have increased social and emotional development, and improved self-esteem? That's powerful, Kelly. I do know that teenagers with a mentor see greater long-term success. Exactly. That's why we are excited to partner with RISE. RISE connects teenage athletes with Olympic and elite mentors. And it's simple to get started. When an athlete goes to the easy-to-use RISE website, they can select a mentor and the subscription that works best for their schedule. They even get a free session with an Olympian or a pro athlete mentor to start so they can see if it's the right fit. Athletes can schedule their weekly one-on-one -on -one sessions, chat anytime, and get started on one of the most important relationships an athlete can have. RISE is offering a free introductory session for any athlete who signs up. Visit rise-athletes.com and start your mentorship journey today. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Champions Mojo podcast. And as usual, I am co-hosting with Maria Parker. Hello, Maria. Hi, Kelly. How are you today? Oh, Maria, I'm doing great. Very excited for our guest today, a fellow sister CG Sports Company member, and she is going to get a great introduction in a moment. But um, first, let's welcome her to the show. Mackenzie Cohen, welcome to Champions Mojo. We're so glad you're here, Mackenzie. Hi, thank you so much for having me. We are really delighted to have Mackenzie on the show she has represented the United States in both the 2012 and 2016 Paralympic Games. At the Games in Rio, Mackenzie brought home three gold medals and a silver medal and set a Paralympic record in the 50 freestyle. She's also a current world record holder in the 800 and 1500 meter freestyle and holds multiple American records. Mackenzie has had to overcome some incredible obstacles to become this champion. And Maria, can you tell us a little bit more about Mackenzie? Sure, Kelly. Mackenzie was born with a connective tissue disorder called osteogenesis imperfecta, or sometimes people call it brittle bone disease. She's had countless hospitalizations and surgeries and broken around 65 bones. As a young child, she started doing aqua therapy and soon was swimming with her brothers competitively. She learned about the Paralympics when she was eight years old and hasn't looked back. Mackenzie is currently living and training in the Olympic and Paralympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, preparing for the Tokyo Games. And she is sponsored by Adidas, New Motion, and Lending Tree, and of course, represented by the CG Sports Company. So welcome again, Mackenzie. We're so delighted. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. And if you guys could come and do that introduction for me every single day um, <laughs> before a workout, that would be awesome because I feel very hyped right now. Awesome. <laughs> you, you, can put it, you can put it on your, uh, your little iPod swimming and swim to it. Maybe. Love that. I absolutely love that. <laughs> Well, you do, you deserve all that, of course. That that <laughs> is do. we just we just spoke the truth. <laughs> yep, you earned it. You earned it. So, Mackenzie, tell us what you're up to. You know what, what your training's going like, and 
did you graduate from Loyola? And I, we know you're at the Olympic Training Center, but kind of bring us up to date on, on what you're up to. Yeah, absolutely. The last few years, I tell you, since, since Rio really have been so much fun. Um, you know, I finished up my NCAA career at Loyola back in 2018. And, you know, I was able to sign with um, CG Sports Company a couple months after that and begin my professional career. And it has been such a fun ride. And I actually chose to um, continue training at Loyola as part of a postgraduate Paralympic group. And um, of course, you know, last year when the pandemic really started to ramp up here, I made the decision to leave Baltimore. It was definitely not an easy decision. I really love my training environment there. But with my disorder, you know, with the OI, I actually am at um, really high risk for severe COVID-19 complications with my lungs. It was a difficult decision to come to, but um, at the time I was actually talking to my parents and I was like, mom, dad, because, you know, all the pools were shut down. I was like reading on the internet and doing all this research. And I was like, would you let me put like an eight foot pool in our garage (laughs) to train in? And um, you imagine the reaction from them at first, like, okay. Um, And they were like all on board though. They were like, let's make this happen. So You know, it was difficult to leave Baltimore, but I knew I could get, you know, some type of training, be in the water somehow if I, if I went home. So I drove home, I spent about seven, eight months there. And then, um, the end of September, I made the decision. They, our national team were allowing national team athletes to come out here in Colorado Springs and, um, train. So I jumped at that opportunity and I tell you, I have been, loving it but the altitude is something else you know I'm used to coming out here for camps and I actually lived out here for summer in 2017 but I tell you you um you know you get out here you get acclimated to it but then you leave and you forget how difficult it is but I'm having a great time there's about 10 of us national teamers out here and being able to come in every day and have access to a long course pool like that is such a huge thing right now. So I'm very grateful and I'm really enjoying my time out here. Are you in a bubble out there keeping you safe? from? COVID? Yeah, we are. We have um, obviously a lot of rules in place for our own good and our own safety, but it is very much like a bubble. We are very separated from the other sports. I think there's probably like three or four other like resident sports that are allowed to train out here right now. So there's literally less than like, I would say when everybody's back here, because after the holidays, not everybody's back yet, probably less than 30 of us out Mm -hmm. here. So it was a very tight knit, close group, um, but like very kind of shielded from the outside world. It feels like we have our own little world going here. So it feels very safe and secure. Uh, So uh, I think a lot of us are really interested. I know I am in Paralympic, para-athletics and Paralympics. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but it's, 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 it's got its own rules and its own organization. Can you, can you just give us sort of a quick rundown on how, what it is and how you got into it and, you know, what the different levels or, you know, tell us about it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Paralympics certainly has a lot of differences from the Olympics, but one thing that I always really love to make sure people know is that para meaning parallel to the Olympic Games. So Paralympics is the same elite level, um, high competition sporting event as the Olympics and the Olympic Games. And um, it's for people who happen to have a physical impairment, you know, a physical disability. I actually didn't learn about Paralympics until I was approached at a swim meet when I was eight years old. I had never heard of it. 
when they came up to me, I was like, what are you talking about? And they were like, well, do you know the Olympics? I'm like, yeah, of course I know the Olympics. Like I live for the Olympics, like little eight year old me. Right. Like, um, but they started telling me, you know, you have, you're talented and you have this opportunity and you have a disability. And they started explaining the classification system to me and buckle your seatbelts because (laughs) the classification system is probably one of the most precise, but like most difficult things to understand. So there are 14 different classifications and they range from S1 all the way to S14. S1 being the most disabled And then you have, um, so these are the physical impairments to S10 being kind of the least disabled and still having a disability. And then you have, um, within those, you have S11, S12, and S13 are visual impairments. And um, S11s are completely blind. And then S12s and S13s share some similarities in terms of what vision they do have, but they are still distinct from one another. And S14 is for intellectual impairments that um, cause someone to maybe have a slower reaction off the block, or it interferes with their ability to count laps and that sort of thing. And the beauty of Paralympics, and it doesn't matter if it's Paralympic swimming, it doesn't matter if it's wheelchair basketball, track and field, you're always going to be grouped with people with the same kind of abilities as your own. And so even though it's a very um, difficult kind of system to understand, it breaks it down and creates an even playing field. And that's the beauty of it, to be able to go out and have these opportunities and race against people with your own abilities. It's amazing. There are some um, differences, and I always love to explain this, because if you took a group of able-bodied swimmers who had never seen a Paralympic swim meet before, and you put them on deck at a Paralympic meet, you're going to notice some differences right away. So, you know, in the morning we have prelims and you could swim, you know, next to someone, I, you know, I swim in like the 400 free, for example, I'm pretty good at that event. So I always tend to be in the fastest heat. Well, I'm probably going to be next to visually impaired swimmers, but when it comes to finals, I'm going to be broken down into my own classification swimming against those swimmers. One other thing that I think really kind of describes some of our bigger differences are our team selection procedures when it comes to a Paralympic Games. You know, you have uh, Olympic trials in Omaha and you see, you know, first and second person, you know, punch their ticket to the games or, you know, those relay spots punch their tickets to the games. It's not quite like that at our trials. I could go out and this is the crazy thing about Paralympic swimming. Let me tell you, I could go out at Paralympic trials and have the swim of my life. I could win it, you know, get first or second, whatever. But if I don't have a good enough world ranking, I won't be going to the game. So everything we do when it comes to team selection is world ranking. So even when you're not swimming against the rest of the world, you actually are. Well, that's interesting. So are you following the other Paralympians in your category? Oh, absolutely. And I think uh, sometimes, you know, I work 
really, really hard uh, with my sports psychologist to stay in a good place. And I've been doing that for a couple of years now. And I'm very lucky to have, you know, that national team benefit where I have access to a sports psychologist whenever I need one. Um, and in the past, I think, uh, you know, she's told me a little bit, Mackenzie, you got to chill. Like you got to stop looking at world rankings. Like you got to <laughs> stop like going on the internet to see what they're up to. Um, but I do try really hard to stay on top of that. Um, and I actually think, you know, I know to some point it could be detrimental, but I also think it, um, it motivates me every single day to know what other people are up to and to know that even though I'm not right beside them at a national level meet, I'm still racing them. And that kind of gets me ready to go out and do the real thing when it comes to a world championships or a games. I put myself in that position mentally time and time again, even if I'm not physically next to them. So I know I'm ready to face it. So that's a so, great mental technique. I love that. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, go ahead, Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> Such a great takeaway on Paralympics being running parallel to athletics. And I've also seen either adapted athletics or adaptive athletics. Is there a difference there? Or like, so Paralympics para, uh, parallels the Olympics. And then does um, like, like a local junior Olympic swim meet, is there a local you know, Paralympic junior level or how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. So when I first got involved in para, when I was eight years old, I joined a, um, adapted program in Georgia called blaze sports. And, um, when I joined, they had a lot of local level meets and it was crazy because I would see all of these, you know, kids, young kids with disabilities. And also I, I should put this in here. Um, one big difference is, you know, we're all based on a classification system. It's not by age. So I remember little nine, 10 year old me at Paralympic meets swimming next to, you know, someone who was 20, 22 years old. Like there's no, you know, there's no um, difference in that. But I remember going to all these meets and I see all these kids with disabilities swimming and I'd be like, like, where have they been? Because, you know, I've been doing able body swimming for a long time and I, I never had the luxury of seeing someone else that looked like me on the pool deck hmm. until then. And I felt so at home and to have those opportunities for swimmers, you know, not everybody who comes into it and this goes for able body swimming as well. Not everybody that comes into it, you know, has to be so elite. Not everybody has, you know, they, they really love swimming. They love the sport, but that doesn't mean, you know, they have, you know, goals to go to the games or whatever it might be. They just want to take part and enjoy it. And um, I think that's also the beauty of it. Just having these opportunities for kids, because I think sports plays such a huge role in our development. And I say it time and time again, but I have learned more from my time in the water about life than anywhere else or anything else in my life. So I think it's really amazing to have those local adaptive opportunities outside of kind of the elite competitiveness. If you know, you want to go that route. Amazing. Obviously I did, but just to have those opportunities for, for young children to experience is great. So you said earlier that you work with a sports psychologist to get in a, you know, to stay in a good place. And, you know, it's just, we would love to hear your mindset on when you break a bone. I mean, you have broken many, many bones. So all of us in life, we have setbacks, you know, we have something that, you know, happens that we didn't expect and then we have to adjust to it. How, how do you get through this? Yes. Um, you know, it's taken 
a lot of reflection, a lot of mental training to get to this place. But I'm going to say something that sounds kind of crazy. Every single setback and every single piece of adversity I've ever faced has given me so much in my life. And I will never allow myself to look at what others may say are my disadvantages or my limitations as something negative because I think they're my greatest strength. They have given me everything and more. And I always tell people, even in the darkest places, you know, back in um, 2008, I went through, so I had metal rods in my legs. And when I was younger growing up, you know, I get taller. Um, unfortunately, that didn't happen for very long because I'm very short. But um, along the way, when I was growing, uh, they would have to switch out the rods because I'd outgrow them with the bone. And um, back in 2008, that was my last um, set of rods that they had to replace. And I came out. Um, it was a very, very bad surgery. I had many complications. I lost a lot of blood. I was supposed to only be in the hospital for one night. I ended up staying in the ICU for a week. At one point, there were so many drugs in my system. I was on oxygen and they didn't know if I was going to make it out of it. And I remember very little from that week. I remember I was in and out of consciousness, but these moments of just sheer clarity. And it's the craziest thing But I remember thinking to myself, I'm not done here. Like I, I can't leave. I'm not done. There's so much more I want to do. I have so much unfinished business in the pool and life. And I have to show other people that this does not have to define me. This will not be my end. And if I make it through this, it's going to be a hard road to recovery. And let me tell you two months in a body cast after that was not easy, but that's when I really learned, even in the darkest moments and the darkest places, you can find good in that. And if I can, you know, spread that message to people through my swimming, then I think, you know, I will have done my job here. I mean, I have been just goosebumps. goosebumps. I do too. I was, I was just going to say, I have goosebumps that, yeah, you, but, you're such an inspiration. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know. I want to follow up with that because I, I think some people might look at you and say, you are just born as an optimistic, upbeat person. You know, I'm not like you. I, I, you know, I'm, I have a harder time T talk about how, you know, maybe this is a gift of, of, of your, your, your disease in part, but, um, you know, I, I think it's, you said a lot of reflection, talk about the process of getting to this, you know, just incredibly positive space. And then also talk about when you're not positive. Cause of course yeah. I know there are times when you're not. Absolutely. And, um, you know, my mom and I from very early on, we came up with this system when something bad happens to me, I'm given two days to <laughs> wallow in it, be angry at the world, cry, let it out. And then, you know, you don't bury your feelings. But after that point, you no longer allow your emotions to overcome you. And it's time to start going into. And this is what I've worked a lot with with my sports psychologist when things go wrong is a productive mindset. You know, I take those two days. And then after that, I go into a space of, okay. Like, yes, I can still feel this. This still sucks. Like, this hurts a lot. I'm, you know, I might be out of the water for a bit. But what am I going to do that's going to help me get through this and see the end of this quicker? And, um, you know, it's all about making the most of every day, even when I am injured. Um, I'll have, like, one of the toughest injuries for me 
I'm so used to it by now. Like I'll break my shoulder and I'll be back in the water within like a day or two, even against my doctor's wishes. Like that's just how I am. And then like, I break my feet on flip turns so much and I break my fingers on finishes all the time. So that sort of thing doesn't bother me. I'll just swim through it. But when you have something like a broken femur, which I, by my opinion, I've broken everything. So I kind of got the expert opinion here, but a broken, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you've broken everything, like, let me tell you which one's the most painful. It's a broken femur. Um, that one will kind of put me down for maybe a week before I can get back into the water. And um, in that week's time, you know, I'll take my time. I'll be angry about it. Or I'll say to myself, um, however I did it, well, that was really dumb. Like, I wish I wouldn't have done that. But then it's about getting into a productive mindset. How am I going to use this to come out stronger on the other side of it? Or, you know, what can I do right now? Like my mom, she'll go get me. Um, I remember this one time she went and got me little five pound weights. And I swear I would take, you know, like an hour or two at a time and just do exercises with them from, from the bed. So I'm like, you know what? I can't do what I was doing before. But, oh, my, am I going to hold on to whatever I possibly can so make it a little bit easier when I get back? Because I will come back from this. I, I've got to ask. So when you break uh, a bone, like in your foot on a flip turn or on, in your hands on a finish, yeah. do, how, how does it heal? Like, how does that heal? Um, yeah. So actually, I've got in my swim bag. This is actually kind of funny. I don't really I don't know if I've ever told anybody this. Mm -hmm. I have my emergency break kit. And inside of it is an ice pack. And then I have um, like athletic tape. So if something happens, like I'll never forget this. We were coming up on, it was like a meet in Canada, like a couple years ago. And it was so dumb. I went out to the side of the pool. I'd swam, you know, we were swimming at like two different pools at the time. And um, been here a million times before. I was not paying attention, like just being silly. And like I jumped in for warm up and I usually, my right leg is worse than my left. So I always kind of like um, bend my right leg up so it doesn't like hit the bottom because like that would be worse than my left leg. Um, but it was only like four feet of water and I definitely was not paying attention and just slammed on the bottom with my foot, my left foot. I felt it. I was like, that was a crack. Like, and I looked down and I was like, yeah, that's definitely broken. And here was my mindset. And I feel like I use this all the time now. I was like, well, nothing I can do about it right now. So I just swam through practice. And then at the end, I got out my emergency break kit and I taped it up and went about my day. So, you know, I think to a lot of people on the outside looking in, it would be, you know, oh my gosh, like we got to get you to a doctor and everything, but you got to keep in mind that it happens to me all the time. And though it's a difficult part of my life, it is a part of my life. It's a part of me. It's, it's part of what has made me who I am. And um, so I think that's why I have such a mindset of, well, that happened. Nothing I can do about it. Like happens all the time. Let's keep going. You're yeah. amazing. You are. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's truly amazing. <laughs> truly amazing. Well, let's get into some of the fun parts of, of swimming and, you know, your world records in the 800 and 1500 are amazing in the, their own, but to also hold the 50 um, free, that is such a range just to, you know, all of our athletes out there, what do you, how do you approach both the 50 and the 1500? Because that's just a wild range. 
Yeah, you know, it's really crazy looking back on, I would say, like the last five or six years, you know, obviously going into Rio, I knew how much I love distance. Um, It's just always been my favorite thing. I would say, you know, like uh, the 400 long course and the mile long course are my favorite events to swim. It is just so much fun to me. But going into Rio, I remember we were a year out and I sat down uh, with my coach at Loyola, Brian Loeffler. And we were talking and he goes, you know, I was a, uh, well, I was just about a sophomore at the time at Loyola. And he goes, you know, I can really see your sprint really coming together, like you're sprinting. And I could see you developing into a really great sprinter. And I remember I was kind of sitting there and I was like, um, like I'm a distance swimmer. Like I, like allegiance, like I, you know, I've never been known for sprinting. But, you know, in the back of my mind, I was kind of like, yeah, like, you know, I'm early in my college years, you know, new new environment, new training and everything. Like I could totally, I think I could do this. So we took that year and um, that was the hardest, most intense training I've ever done in my entire life. And um, to say that I wasn't nervous and scared to death going into, into Rio trying to become a sprinter, that would be a lie because I was, <laughs> I was very freaked out. But I think as we went on, you know, I was doing all my usual yardage, like cranking out crazy long sets, like doing everything that I've been used to doing, but also adding in um, maybe on doubles days, like some really good sprinting. And at the end of every practice, no matter what we did, I um, told Brian, we're going to do a 50 off the blocks four time after every single workout. And let me tell you, there were some days where it wasn't pretty. Um, but you know, just having that, that pressure on me every single day to perform, even when I was dead tired, you know, having to pick myself off the deck, get on the block and just do it gave me the confidence to be able to go out there on that day in Rio and, you know, not only break a Paralympic record, but win a gold medal. And it's actually kind of a big joke in my family because my younger brother, Eli, he, um, he's actually a Tar Hill. He's a senior at UNC and, um, he is the sprinter in the family. He's a 50 freestyler always has been. I, you know, I came off the podium with my gold medal. I went up into the stands and he goes, you know, I always knew that you were going to do this. I always knew that you would win a gold medal. I just never thought I'd be in a 50 free. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Um, But, you know, obviously very, very different strategies going into those races. And I almost feel like I've got the best of both worlds. Like I'm kind of like two different swimmers in one. Um, So I'm able to, you know, turn on one gear and completely forget about the other when it comes down to it. I'm able to get the job done. So what this kind of shows us is you set these huge goals. So, you you know, you're a great goal setter in – you know, saying, I, you know, I love the 1500, but I'm going to, I'm going to go for winning the gold in the 50. And I read somewhere that you want to go into being a politician. Is yeah. that still the case? So you're, you know, you're setting this goal. You, um, you, you might want to go to law school. Mackenzie for president. Yes. So <laughs> what, you. tell us about, tell us about your goal setting techniques and what, what's kind of in your vision of the future for you. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually, you know, I attribute my goal setting and my work ethic to my parents and and my family 100%. Um, And also, 
growing up with a disease like mine and you just, you go through so much uncertainty sometimes in life. And I remember I was 12 years old and I was in and out of the hospital every three months. I was getting um, these treatments, these bone treatments and um, with a drug called Iridia and they used it on bone cancer patients to try and strengthen their bones. And um, so I would go in every three months and I would get it um, through an IV and I'd be in the hospital for three days and I would just get so unbelievably sick and Mm. weak and I couldn't even hold my head up sometimes. You know, I remember this one time I was 12 years old and I had never seen the movie Legally Blonde, but it was on (laughs) the hospital TV and I remember watching it and just saying, you know, Elle Woods, she was so positive about life. She was so smart and so many people doubted her. And I really related to that. I had people and I still have people today throughout my life try to tell me you're too weak to do that. You're too fragile. Like why in the world would you go out and try that? And I just, I fell in love with the movie because I really resonated with it. And I was like, oh, lawyer, like I could really make a difference with that. And then I started thinking, you know, at 12 years old, it's crazy. I started thinking, what can I do for other people with a disability as a lawyer? And then I started thinking, okay, well, like a lot of lawyers go on to be politicians and they make policy and they make a difference in their communities. And I knew right away that that's who I wanted to be. And I actually had my mom at the time go buy Legally Blonde because it was on a TV channel. And then um, that whole rest of the hospital say we watched Legally Blonde on like repeat. And <laughs> I just, I fell in love with it. And actually, Fun fact, I have to share this because I'm very excited about it. I went ahead and I applied to law school this year. I will defer to starting in 2022, but I've gotten into every law school I've applied to. Okay, fantastic. That's awesome. Thank you. I'm very, very excited. Um, Definitely, you know, a dream come true. And I really hope that I can take that and help others. And You know, I think it's also interesting. I want other people to see and to know and and young athletes that you can be everything. You can be a great athlete in the water. And I think that swimmers like, yeah, I was actually talking to my lift coach about this the other day because he asked me like, how's law school going? And I got to tell him like I got in everywhere and he goes, you swimmers are such overachievers. (laughs) I was like, "Uh, maybe a little bit. I think it's just in our DNA. But you know, you can have all these different dreams. And if you're willing to work hard in the pool, in the classroom, you can get incredible scholarships to swim collegiately. You know, you can take it to the next level. You can, you know, work really hard in college and finish up your collegiate career and then go on to do great things afterwards. So there's so many opportunities out there. And I hope through this, I can show people that as well. So to use the word and inspiration, it's just so almost trite when we're talking it is, about it. It's trite. So, but, but, but so, but I want to get back to this. You talked about a, a, um, getting a, an infusion every three months. Yeah. That's in another word, that's chemotherapy. You're a 12 year old receiving chemotherapy, which is making you horribly sick. I've seen this, you know, with my sister with yeah. cancer, it's, it's, it totally wipes you out. So I want people to understand what you're going through. That was, you know, in addition to all the broken bones, you're basically being treated as if you have a, a cancer and that's, that's, you know, it's very, very difficult. So yes, inspiration. But I guess my, my question would be, who inspires you? You must have, you must have seen and been inspired by others. Who inspires you? Besides, and- besides Elle Woods. <laughs> besides, <laughs> uh, besides Elle Woods. I, right? I mean, she inspired me too. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Elle Woods, mm, hero. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
I've been really fortunate throughout my life. I look at myself as incredibly lucky. And I think I gained a whole heck of a lot of perspective being in some of the situations I was in, you know, being in and out of hospitals and actually going back on that for a moment. I remember I go into the hospital and, you know, I would be there. It was for, you know, three days was the norm. Um, Sometimes I would get super sick and I'd end up, you know, they wanted to keep me for observation for longer or help me out. So sometimes I'd be in there for a week, but before my infusions would start, I would, you know, cause after that I couldn't leave the room, but before that my mom and I on our way to the hospital would make up these little bags and we put candy in there, crayons, coloring books, um, whatever we could go buy. And we put them in these bags and we'd go hand them out to the kids that we were able to on the floor, or we'd handle the nurses who would go in and give them to kids who couldn't come out of the rooms, much like I couldn't when the infusion started. And meeting some of those kids and hearing their stories and knowing what they were up against. I mean, my God, I just remember thinking like, you know, I'm, I'm going to pray for them. Like, I know they'll make it through this, but looking at my life and being like, I'm so fortunate and I'm so blessed. And I think about them all the time. And, um, that was the inspiration to go back and to live every single day when I would get out of the hospital, take me, you know, a week or two to be back to normal, but I'd get back in the pool and I'd be like, wow, I have this opportunity to do this. They don't have, not all of them have the same opportunity. So I really wanted to go out and do that for them. So I think just everyone I've been fortunate enough to meet along the way and they share their story with me. It's, I mean, all, all the motivation and inspiration you could ever ask for, but I really focused on doing it for them. And you have a charitable Tell us a little bit about charitable work with that. I do. So that type of thing that we did kind of turned into something much bigger. And um, when I was in high school, I started my own organization called Kenzie Cares. And through it, I'm able to visit hospitals, doctor's offices, different adaptive programs, and not only be able to share my story with them, but also hand out coloring books, crayons, much of the same thing that I did when I was younger it's just being able, because I know how difficult it is to be in that position. And I know that sometimes, even when you're trying to hold on to the optimism and the hope, I know how dark it can be. And just the smallest thing to put a smile on their face or to make them, you know, forget about the pain or the sickness for a moment, that means everything to me. And I am so grateful to have the opportunity to meet so many incredible kids and so many incredible families through it. So Mackenzie, that's, it's beautiful. What you're doing is amazing. It's just, again, another trite word for, for that. But so let's, um, let's fast forward a few years, whatever the picture looks like of you being a, an attorney, a powerful, either a powerful attorney or politician or both, or just plain old, you know, multiple, multiple Olympic gold medals, but you're a huge, you, you can make the difference. You can affect change. What do you want to see in the world for the disabled community? I want uh, maybe, and maybe that's it's, maybe it's uh, maybe it's not to call them disabled. You know, <laughs> like that's my that's my ignorance. So so what what do you want to see? Yeah, you know, I'd love to see acceptance, and that looks very different in all kinds of forms. You know, whether it's accessibility issues or just you know social issues surrounding it, I want acceptance. I want norms. Um, I think that in society, we 
kind of have this really bad habit of looking at disabled people and, you know, giving them a shot or giving them a chance. Like it's kind of a charity or tokenism, if you will. And it's not, these are people. And, you know, from my own experience, I'm a human being who just happens to have a disability. I, you know, I might have, you know, physical differences. I get around in a wheelchair or I walk differently from other people, but that doesn't change me. That doesn't change my goals. That doesn't change my dreams. And we need to make society more accessible for people with disabilities. We need to offer them opportunities to go out and live their dreams and look at them as members of society who are here to contribute just like anybody else. Because I think, you know, as much as a disability has helped shape who I am, it is not the overall essence of me. I'm a person with goals and dreams and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to overcome any obstacle that might be in my way to get there. And I know that's the same for many people. So I want to change. And I mean, it sounds like a very big undertaking, but, un, you know, change the, the landscapes of society for people with disabilities. Yeah, I, I think you're doing it. I think you're absolutely doing it because even just a, a, a small fraction cross my mind for a moment, you know, like, okay, we generally interview on Champions Mojo, we interview Olympic swimmers. Should we interview a Paralympic swimmer? You know, it, it just was just a moment of, of unfairness to you. And then, you know, and it wasn't Maria, it was more me. It was like, okay, does this fit our, our mold? You know, you want to break out of the mold. And I have to say that I think you are the greatest champion we've ever had. I mean, oh you know, <laughs> truly, I mean, even if we get Michael Phelps on here, you are <laughs> Mackenzie in my mind. You've just overcome so much. I mean, to tell me that you swim 7,000 meters this morning, I mean, <laughs> like that is just, you know, I'm going to cry here because it's, um, it's true. It's not even something that we consciously do as a society. It just, it's just, there it is. I mean, I'm your teammate, you know, on CG Sports and I totally love and respect what you've done. And, and then, but for me to hesitate, for that one second and say, I don't know, you know, should we have a Paralympian? That's just, that's just so wrong. And so you've changed me and I want to have more Paralympians on here because I think it is amazing. So you're doing it, you know, you're doing it. So thank you. To me. Oh my gosh. You just, I I think you just made my whole entire, okay. My 2021 (laughs) like we're good, like awesome. Mine too. Mine too. Because there's that to me, you know, as somebody who always wants to develop as a, as a person and a champion is to grow. And so I've grown through having you on the show and Um, I hope, you know, I hope people hear that, but, um, love to you, girl. (laughs) Thank you so much. There we go. Boom. (laughs) Boom. Oh, oh, hurry up. Give us a fist bump. Boom. Boom. (laughs) I love it. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And before the speed round though, we have the last question, Maria, you love to ask the last question. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we've talked about a lot of things. Is there something that we haven't asked you that you'd like to to talk about? You know, I just want to put out there to young swimmers who are just starting out in the sport or maybe to the swimmers who have hit a rough patch or anything else in their careers, keep going. It is so worth it. I cannot tell you. And, you know, I've, I've had my hard moments in the pool before too, but keep going. And I think, you know, a champion's mindset is always, it's not always going out and breaking 
you know, world records and winning gold medals. That doesn't make a champion. What makes a champion is going out on your lowest day on the day that you fail or the day that you lose and still giving your all, still giving your best and refusing to quit. You know, that's just something I always like to tell young athletes and, you know, really any athlete in general to keep going. Anybody, anybody, any person, (laughs) any, any person. That's that's so true for so (laughs) many things that, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I could go on, but I won't. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we have this fun speed round and now you're a sprinter and a distance person. So you're going to do great on this. All right. I'm ready. I'm ready. Are you ready? Cat or dog? Dog. Red or blue? Blue. Milk chocolate or dark chocolate? Milk chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Kickboard or no kickboard? No kickboard. Mountains or beach? Beach. Football or baseball? Football. iPhone or Android? iPhone. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Me too. Sun, sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Nail polish or no? Nail polish. <laughs> I love that. Maria, so, okay. yeah, we're, we're, we're no polish girls yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so wait, so you handled that like a speed round. This next section is for your endurance. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. She's ready. She's I got like, it both ends. <laughs> I like how you know yourself so well to be a Lance. Uh, okay. Here we go. Favorite color? Pink. Favorite people. Elwoods, 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 Elwoods. Absolutely, like 100% actually. I always, fun fact, I always have them painted pink before I dive into the water for a race. That's a great great ritual. Pink nail polish. Favorite pizza topping? Pepperoni. Favorite vegetable? Broccoli. Favorite swim complex in the U.S.? Oh, man. Okay, this is where I get stumped. Okay, I'd have to say... Oh man, there's just so many good ones. All right, you guys got me on this one. I'd have to say probably I'm impartial to it because I'm from Georgia, but University of Georgia's natatorium. Love it. Not not Georgia Tech? I do. I do like Georgia Tech. My brother was a yellow jacket. He went to Georgia oh, Tech. okay. Um, I think I went to more meets growing up at UGA. And okay. they also had the best cafeteria ever and we used to go eat there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's yeah. good. You gotta have okay. your priorities. I wanted to, I wanted to clarify there. All right. Uh, what's your favorite music genre? Pop. Okay. Pop. Shoe size. Five. <laughs> they have really tiny feet. I actually though I can wear um size one to three kids fins. Fun. Oh, I love it. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> yeah. Great. Do you do you wear fins, Mackenzie? Um, every now and then I don't really, I mean, fun fact, I don't really like kick a lot, but when I do, I have to wear fins just because my, my hips are so weak that, um, if I try to do it without them, I would probably just kind of sink and go to the bottom. So we throw fins on for that. (laughs) Any siblings? Yes. So, uh, fun fact, I'm the middle child. I have an older brother and a younger brother. Okay. And one of those brothers is a Tar Heel. Yes. He's a, uh, senior swimmer at UNC. Okay. Uh, favorite Star Wars character? Uh, Chewbacca. I named my dog after him. Chewie! <laughs> after Chewbacca. Uh, my dog's name is Binks, like Jar Jar Binks. I love that. <laughs> Your next dog. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> Can you cook? No. <laughs> I am notoriously bad at cooking. <laughs> I, I should not be allowed near a stove. <laughs> <laughs> what word do you, what word do you think when you first dive into the water? I always, I actually have keywords and I always tell myself this, um, strength. 
And it just makes me, it makes me ready to take on whatever's going to happen in that race. So I always tell myself strength. One of those mm. things. Beautiful. Mm. Wow. I think you got an A plus on all those. Yeah. I did <laughs> well, too. Yeah. Mackenzie, thank you so much. It's just been an honor. And uh, I can't wait to meet you in person. And I'm sure. Yeah. Maria, yeah. Yes. Thank you so much, Mackenzie. This was a most fun interview uh, we've had. So thank you yeah. so much. Yeah. We no, said thank it, you yeah. for having me. We set out the intention to have fun and we did. And we we did. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I wish I could do this every day. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Mackenzie. Take care of yourself. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. It's now time for the takeaways. Maria, you and I have heard the takeaways are the best part of the show. That's right, Kelly, because the takeaways are curated information, which is what we give to our clients when we coach them. If you would like to take your performance to the next level in health, life or leadership, go to our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. Yes, just click on our coaching page and book there. We're looking forward to bringing out the champion in you. And now, the takeaways. Well, Maria, I like I said in the interview, uh, first, we, we're going to start out with this takeaways and say, if you, you have, have to not listen. listen to the entire show, you need to listen to the entire show. It yeah. is one of the most inspirational motivational, just uh, amazing interviews that, that we've ever done. And yeah, yeah. I said, and if we get, even when we get Michael Phelps on the show, that uh, I think Mackenzie is an equal Olympic champion for what she's done. So the first, my first takeaway that I'd like to um, share is that it was a learning of Paralympics actually means parallel to the Olympics. So when there's a para, a para athletics, it means parallel to athletics of the, uh, of the usual sort. So I think that was, you know, the big takeaway is just getting to know someone who is a para athlete. I've never had that opportunity, never had that, um, pleasure or benefit. And it really changed my perspective on just what para athletes are like. And I thought it was, um, just such a, an amazing thing. And, and that um, Mackenzie's making a difference in having people see that different side of what a para-Olympian or a para-athlete is. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I would also just add my, you've got to listen to this interview and even watch the video because you want to soak up this woman. She is, she's way, she, she's got a spirit that will, that will brighten your day. So um, yeah, para is interesting and, you know, but, but, as we got into the interview, it was like, you know, who even cares? She's such a great person. Para or, you know, Olympian or, or a regular right. Olympian or whatever. She's one of the best people we've, we've interviewed. So I love that takeaway. Um, you know, and so my first takeaway would be she's an incredibly uh, upbeat and optimistic person. Um, but I think this is something that she has really had to develop and work on. And uh, she's, you know, she's had more, uh, obstacles in her life than most of us will experience our whole lives. And she's a very young woman. Um, and so she, you know, that she comes across as really happy and warm and smiley, but she has create, she has developed this in herself uh, um, over all, over these years, she and her family. Um, I think her, her, she, she has a terrific family and they've sort of helped her. You know, she's, and we've talked about this before, you know, every time she breaks a bone or, you know, something bad happens, um, you know, she allows herself some time to, to feel sad. And then she, she tries to create a productive mindset after that. It's like, okay, 
here I am. This is what's happened. What am I going to do now? So um, I just, I just love that she has created this part of who she is, but she's also really developed this optimism. And it's not something that we are given necessarily a gifted. You can develop this. If you're the kind of person who feels, you know, like you get, uh, you know, knocked on your butt and you can't get back up, this is a quality that you can develop in yourself. She did. Yeah, that it wor- it's work. It's like yeah, a it's muscle. Work. It's work, so, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so this, so this is what we, we have to do. So that's, right. that's a great first takeaway. So my second takeaway is that she only worries about what she can control. Right. And the things that she can't control, she kind of lets go. And the story about her, her uh, you know, that she can break her hand on a finish or break her toes or her feet on a flip turn. And so she said she was warming up and was at a big meet or I think maybe it was a big swim practice, but they were in a new pool and she jumped in the water and broke her foot. And she said she knew when she jumped in, she had broken her foot and she's talked about her emergency, you know, break (laughs) kit. And you know, that basically it was just ice and, and bandaging it up, but she knew, okay, you know, I can't fix my foot right now, but I can still do this practice. So I really liked that to just transfer, you know, into life that what, what can you control right now and not worry, you know, focus on that and not worry about the things that you can't control. So yeah, with with her, there must be so many things like that. Again, this is a great uh, quality she's developed. You know, it's like, you know, if you're in a body cast for two months, like she described, you know, what can you do? Well, you know, you can work on your mind. So yeah, that's that's a great, great quality. Um, And my second takeaway was um, just that she considered herself fortunate. (laughs) Yes. So there, you know, here's this, this young woman who's, you know, mostly spends a lot of time in a wheelchair and she has this, you know, awful disease that, uh, that impacts her bones and they break all the time. And she is grateful because it has made her the person she is. And she's, you know, she says, I look back and I, you know, I'm, and I think this is, this is who I am. Every obstacle that I've had has, has given me something. (laughs) I mean, if we could all live like that, wouldn't the world be just a fabulous place? I mean, it's so, you know, we would be so much happier to think, okay, this is what has brought me to this situation. And I'm just going to be grateful for it, even though it was hard. So, yeah. Yes, yes. When she said she considers herself lucky, you know, just it's, it's such a, it's a great attitude. And also that, you know, it helps you when you're going forward and you know, you've got the pile of crap that's happened to you like okay you know i've broken 65 bones and when i break 66 i've dealt with 65 bones and i can go forward so i think and and that she knows that she got something out of it that there right. was something good and really when one looks back at their life i think that's probably if you get far enough away from it you really think you know that that did make me a better person so, yeah, yeah maybe maybe that. what what she's been able to do is, is do that quicker than the rest of right. us Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think we can tend to say, oh, my gosh, it's been, you know, I've had such a bad day. I did, you know, this or this, this. And what she's able to do is say, okay, this has happened, um, but this is, you know, brought me to the spot and this is who I am. And I, I mean, and the confidence, you know, she likes who she is. And it's just yeah. so beautiful. What a great interview. Yeah. yeah, it was it was one of our best. Absolutely. I hope, as we said, I hope you'll listen to the whole thing. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, Maria, thank you again for being on this journey. And I love yeah. you so much. I love you too, Kelly. Thank you. Take care of yourself. You too. All Bye-bye. right. Bye-bye. This week's quote of the week comes from Mackenzie Cohen. Even in the darkest moments and the darkest places, you can find good in that. 
You've been listening to the Champions Mojo podcast with host Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. Champions Mojo is produced by Cabra Media, and a new episode debuts every Tuesday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Follow Champions Mojo on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Champions Mojo.